Last week we addressed a question about uh, prayer, and the question that we addressed last week was, can God speak to us? Um, it's worth thinking about, can God speak to us? Uh, we discovered from the Old Testament and the New Testament that God was always speaking to people in all lots of different ways. In fact, the Bible says that in, the old, in old times, God spoke by many sources and in many ways. And in the New Testament, we start looking at it unfold, and we're seeing God is speaking through Jesus, the Bible says, to us from many sources in many ways. We see that unfolded in the New Testament as well. Well, there is a, a theory that once our Bible was completed, that once this Bible was completed, that God quit speaking to people like that. Now, the, th the thought is, and this is just... This is called, they often call this the canon of Scripture. If you've never heard that term, it doesn't matter, but a canon is sacred writings. And they said they will now call this a closed canon, which I, I agree with that, that, that we're not writing new books and chapters to the Bible, uh, that this is God's word. But the theory is, well, if God can speak to us, then why don't we just write new books and new chapters in the Bible? Uh, and so, therefore, God doesn't speak like he used to before. Uh, well, that's man's educated assumption but you will not find that taught in the Bible. And so we have to say, will, will God speak to us today? Now, I'm going to share some with you, so I want to give you a warning up front. Before I share this with you, I don't want you to scream heretic and run out of the building until you hear the whole thing. And I think when you hear the whole thing, you'll say, okay, I see where you, what you're meaning there. When we look at the scripture, the Bible does not tell us everything we need to do for every situation in life. Now, I, I know we, we say, I've said that before, the Bible will tell you what to do for every, in any situation in life. That's really not true. Now, now, again, before you get nervous here, the Bible covers all the major things that we need to know. It covers life, how to have life, how to have godliness. Uh, it covers how to um, uh, be saved, how to have eternal life. It covers that Jesus is the Savior of the world. I mean, it covers all those major things completely and absolutely and thoroughly. So we're not left out on any major theme or doctrine or idea of the Bible. But what I mean about specifically is when we go to the Scripture, like, for instance, if you came to me and said, you're a young person, you're in high school, and you said, ah, I just really want to know, what does the Lord want for me? Should I go to college or not? Do you realize I can't say, well, I can answer that. Go to Matthew chapter 10, verse 17. It'll tell you, you know, no, I can't. And if I do go to college, where should I go to college? What should I study? Uh, what job should I take? What should I do? You, you know all those little incidentals in life that aren't so incidental? They're big things that we can't go to the Bible and say specifically, should I take this job or that job? You know what we need? We really need the Lord. We really need a conversational relationship with the Lord that he can speak to us and he can lead us. And it doesn't have to be bizarre and crazy. I mentioned that most of the time that I feel like the Lord has spoken to me, it was, it was more like Elijah's still small voice, which Elijah recognized that God wasn't in the fire, the wind, the earthquake, which God has been in those things. Go to Mount Sinai, the delivery of the Ten Commandments, and all those things were going on. So it didn't say God would never do that. But when Elijah heard the still small voice, he stepped out of the cave, put a mantle over his face, his mantle over his face, and he knew this was the Lord. And so that's often the way that God speaks. And, and also, often the way God speaks is what's going on right now, the teaching of the Word of God. And so that's safe and secure in a sense, although we do know this, we do know there are 
evil men and women who have perverted and twisted the word for evil purposes, and there are thousands of cults around the world who, who they're preaching out of that Bible today. So you can't even say, well, as long as the preaching's out of the Bible, well, there's this whole counsel of God. Are you with me, what I'm saying here, that we need to really look at? Because you could take any single verse of the Bible and develop something that is in error, and we don't want to do that. So the Lord, the Lord can speak. Now, I warned you this. God will never speak and tell you to do something. And by the way, I've never heard his audible voice. I still crack up. People say, well, God, God, God can't do that anymore. Well, since who? You know, since when was God lost his ability to speak if he wanted to? He hasn't lost any ability. In fact, I'm sure because he's so creative that God could do, speak to us in ways we never even dreamed of before. I mean, I I suppose he could run us a picture up here and, and, well, God couldn't do that. Yes, he can. God is incredibly creative. Now, I kind of doubt he will. I don't think that's his method that he generally uses, but he actually did in the Bible write on a wall in the Old Testament. So there's all kinds of stuff he could do. God's super creative. I was talking to Jimmy Burden last night. We were talking. I said, I was just amazed at God's creativity, how amazing he is, how brilliant he is. And so I was just saying, I mean, I, I'm serious about this. It sounds funny, but I mean this. I think of God's creativity. I think, who would have thought of a giraffe? I mean, really, who would have thought of a giraffe? God? And then an aardvark. I mean, who would have thought of an aardvark? I think that's an incredible animal. And you look at the creativity and the brilliance of God, and trust me, he did not exhaust his brilliance or his creativity. Uh, he, he didn't run out. He didn't stay, say on the seventh day, I'm going to rest because I cannot think of anything else to do. I've run out of all good ideas. He was unlimited. He did teach us that we need rest. So God speaks. He never violates his word. He never violates his will. He never violates his character when he speaks. So if you think you've heard something from God, but it's contrary to sound doctrine in the Bible, you did not hear from God. You you didn't. The word of God is a closed canon, a closed work in that sense. But when you say, is it time for us to buy a home? Should I change my job? Should I get a car? You know... Should I share my resources? Uh, God's blessed us so much, and I believe we should be generous givers everywhere, not just at church, everywhere. And, but sometimes you may go to give. If you've developed a, a heart of compassion and generosity, you, you can sometimes give when it really wasn't the Lord's will for you to give because maybe he's working out something in somebody's life. Now, I want to tell you that's the exception, not the rule. So if you don't want to give, you'll make that the rule. Well, I wanted to give, but, you know, I think God's working out something in their life. Well, that's... Not usually the case, but it would behoove us to pause and say, should I give towards this? I don't know if you're like me, but I get more offers, Darlene, than I do, and you probably do, from good, noble, wonderful ministries who are doing wonderful things that we don't have the resource to give to them all. So sometimes you have to read, look them over, and ask, Lord, who, who do you want me to give to? And do the best we can to feel like we're being led or spoken to by God. Now, I want us to learn how to have an ongoing conversation with God in our life, but I also want you to know that I don't believe God's micromanaging things. Uh, when I got up this morning, the Lord didn't say, wear that outfit. And, of course, you're saying, I hope God didn't tell you to wear that thing. Um, you just, I don't think he's micromanaging our life. I don't think he says, you know, drive here, turn there. I mean, he could. 
There might be a specific situation where God might do something like that. I totally get that. But as a general rule, he's not micromanaging our life. We got a lot of freedom in how we do life. And in your great relationships, they're really good and healthy. You're not micromanaging each other. You're having a relationship. And sometimes you may speak, talk a lot in a day, and sometimes maybe not a whole lot. And there's communication that goes on more times than others. And it's a relationship. Well, I have dozens of examples and I shared with you, I think it was last week, um, one of the first times I remember God speaking to me and a person came to know Jesus as their Savior. And, and by the way, you can miss it. You can get it wrong. That's okay. You know, it's, most things aren't fatal if you do that. And, um, and I talked about a recent one where I felt like the Lord spoke something to my heart. But sometimes you just can't uh, go to the Scripture and find something specifically on a particular topic. I'll give you a couple of others. And I, again, I got dozens of these. Back many years ago, I worked for a company and traveled with another gentleman who was a believer, and we were coming off the road, and we stayed on the road and traveled Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and so by Thursday night, you're kind of exhausted from all the traveling and everything you're doing, and uh, he was just a good southern guy and loved the Lord. He, he, this, this is the way he talked. He said, hey, Bubba, he said, uh, uh, tonight, why don't you help me with the youth group, because he is a youth minister. And I said, I I'm, no, I'm tired, I want to get home, come on, you know how you just get, they pound you, like, come on, Bubba, come on, you can help, you can help, and so I go, okay, I'll go to the youth group and help you at the youth group, and then I'll head home, well, on that night, and this was in Scott County, and my life was in Bartholomew County, and I didn't have any reason to be in Scott County, but that night, uh, there's a group of people they're coming to promote a Christian event that's going to be in Scott County. This family would bring big events to, like, school gymnasiums and stuff. And, and that night, showing up at that uh, youth group meeting was Darlene and Gary and Wayne and some other family members. And it's interesting because uh, Darlene told her family, I'm not going tonight, you guys do this. And they said, well, if you don't go, we're not going. And I said, okay, well, I'll go. Well, we show up, and um, when it was all over, we were all praying together. And now, I've never had this happen before. Uh, I think that's the only time. I just kind of saw, you know, how you get a picture in your mind. We think in pictures. We don't think in words. We think in pictures. But I thought in pictures. And I saw Darlene's hand and my hands held together and wedding rings on them. And so, but now I'm suspicious because I'm single, and it's a good-looking woman. I think every... Every guy, single guy in the room probably felt God talking to him, you know, I think, I think the Lord's leading me. So, knowing that was the possibility, I dashed to her and said, the Lord has spoken, you are to marry me. And I proposed to her right then, and she said, I don't want to marry you, and I said, you can't argue with God, and, uh, and no, I didn't do that. Uh, in fact, I think we were married before I ever told her I, I ever had that, you know, that thing, because I, I am, I'm going to be cautious. I'm not going to say everything's the, the word of the Lord, but I thought that was interesting. But you should be suspicious. You're a young single guy who sees a beautiful single lady. God's not always speaking to you. You know, by the time you say this is the ninth lady God's told me I'm supposed to marry, you probably, you know, it may not be it. So, but you learn. You learn to hear the voice of the Lord. Now, back about, probably, probably going on 40 years ago, if you walked through those doors through the foyer and went to what we now call the the cafe, which will take me a while to get used to that. We used to call it the old sanctuary. Then we called it the Founders Chapel. And now we call it the cafe, but I used to call it the Founders Chapel Cafe because it'll take me another five years to get used to that. If you go into the cafe and you turn 
into the cafe and walk through those double doors and take about four or five paces right about here in that room. Uh, I was praying with a little group of people after a New Year's Eve party that went on right here at Crossroads. This was about 40 years ago. And uh, 38, 40. And Andy Robbins, you, many of you who have been around for a while know she wanted to be with the Lord, but Barbara Jo Robbins King, and, and they came here, and, and Andy and I would sing places. And so on that New Year's party, uh, we sang a few songs that night, and there was some celebration. We just said, you know, Crossroads has always been fun, loving, good, wholesome, wonderful people, and it was a great night. Now, I did not attend here. And so we're gathering to pray, and by the way, their pastor, Alex Torres, had just been unanimously voted in for a second year, and everybody's excited, and Alex is a great guy, those who might know Alex. And, and um, so we're praying, and I'm serious, this thought just came across my mind, said, you're going to pastor this church. I thought, that's odd. And I thought, well, first of all, I'm not even wanting to be a pastor. I'm not even seeking to be a pastor. I'm not even, you know, I would fill in for ministers and sing or maybe speak on occasion. And, uh, and I thought, and besides, because again, I'm sort of suspicious of, you know, when I hear something, I thought, they just voted in their pastor, you know, joyfully and unanimously, and I don't know what. And I said, you know, probably what it was was if I ever did pastor a church, I'd want to be at this church and a group of people like this. And, uh, but several years later, I got asked to pastor the church. And you know what I told them? No, thank you. And you would think, you had a word from the Lord, but it's like, okay. And then God worked it all out, and um, wow, I lose track of time. 30, about 32 years ago, I came here for 90 days. Yeah, and I said, well, I'll come for 90 days. You can keep searching for people. Uh, every now and then I get a letter that says, you've overstayed your welcome. You are, you are... You are 32 years over what you promised, so no, I don't. But isn't that interesting? I, I believe that was the Lord. I don't know where that thought came from. didn't seem like one of my normal thoughts. I'm generally not, you know, we sang in all kinds of churches. I never was somewhere where you're going to pastor this church. But here, interesting. I believe God speaks to us today. I'm telling you again. I'm not saying you can't make a mistake, but would you open yourself up to maybe hearing thoughts or impressions that might be from the Lord? You want to make sure they line up with Scripture. But on a, a, ver, on a situation like that, I can't go to a verse that says, I will or will not pastor this church. You have to just kind of trust the Lord. By the way, because I want to encourage you to begin to listen to the Lord and, and maybe not put so much pressure on you. Um, what, what, if, if you what if I said, man, I think, the Lord wants me and Darlene to be married, and she don't think so. You know, I'm just going to say, okay, I must miss God. You know, it's not going to be the end of the world. You can just keep listening and fine-tuning how to hear from the Lord. So again, i got all kinds of examples like that, and I want to encourage you to have, and I know many of you do have those things, uh, that you've learned to hear the voice of the Lord, and there's lots of different ways God speaks, impressions in our heart, the Word of God, you know, a burden, a leaning, a dream. There's all kinds of things that can happen. So I want to encourage you to develop a good relationship with the Lord where you can begin to have conversation with him, begin to kind of do life every day with the Lord and let him speak to us. Again, he does not violate his word, his will, his character. So I want to explore some things on a confrontation and a conversation with Jesus so we can learn more about this topic of prayer and God speaking. In Mark 11... 
Mark 11, this is Jesus, talking about Jesus. It said, on reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. So today I decided I would call this My House of Prayer. The my has twofold, my Jesus and my me. My house of prayer. And you might have been troubled with this before. Maybe you weren't. I, I was. I was trying to figure it out you know, when I was a younger Christian, uh, I wondered, and I finally found out what the scripture really teaches, so it wasn't a big deal to me once I figured that out, but I would wonder, you know, you have guest speakers, singers, you know, whatever, and usually in the foyer, the entrance of the church, the, you know, they're selling, you know, CDs or DVDs or, or sweaters or shirts or, you know, Bibles or books or whatever, and I used to wonder, I wonder if that's, I mean, Jesus got angry about merchandising, and I wonder, is that what, what he was mad about? I want you to know it was not what he was angry about. We'll, we'll see that. The people who he drove out of the temple courts were supposed to be there. The, he, he mentions two specific ones, the money changers and those who are selling doves. Money changers were actually a legitimate service that the Jewish people wanted at the temple. Here's why. People would come from all over, and if they were merchants or business people, they would have foreign currency. It was not uncommon for foreign currency to have the, the engraving of their king or emperor or whatever on it. To a Jew, that was a false idol. That was, that was a graven image. And that could not be brought into the temple. And so the money changers would take that foreign currency and change it into Hebrew Jewish currency. So you could take it and give it as an offering to the Lord. Also, doves were the form of offering for the poor. They often couldn't afford a cow or a lamb, and so two doves or two pigeons would be the offering that the poor would give. The problem we had is that the money changers, from Jewish person to Jewish person, Hebrew to Hebrew, were not to charge interest. The money changers were out there charging high and probably exorbitant fees to exchange this because you're kind of in a pinch. You know, I'm, I'm here with my gift, but now I've got to exchange this, and so they're gathering good sums of money for this. their merchandising, they're, they're making the temple place. They're not so concerned about the worship that's going on. This is a good way to make a good buck. And the poor people, God always says we should honor and take care of the poor. And if you're out there hawking doves for too high of a price, you're really taking advantage of the poor. And so I believe that was two reasons why God was so angry. They were taking advantage of and acting unjustly and improper in the place of the Lord. And so he overturned the tables and you know, made a very strong statement that my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you've turned it into a den of robbers. And so those were actually legitimate services that were given, but they were given incorrectly. They were given for wrong motives. They were, they were doing it to make a quick buck instead of being a blessing, a blessing to uh, the people who came to worship at the temple. And so... We want to make sure we're being careful with our temple, that we are being honorable with how we live. And the Bible often does this. 
it takes a physical story and makes a spiritual example out of it. So I want you to see the spiritual implication here. Uh, Jesus is talking about the temple and, and how they were wrong and how they were working there. But the temple, uh, the physical temple, was to some degree, uh, a, I don't even know if it's a big deal to God, to be honest with you, but it was a big deal to the people. Uh, but we'll see this. King David wanted to build a temple. God told him no. He said, your son Solomon can build it. Listen to what Solomon says here in Second Chronicles 2.6. He says, but who is able to build a temple for him, meaning God, since the heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain him? Who then am I to build a temple for him except as a place to burn sacrifices before him? God said, what are you going to build for me that I'm going to fit in? I, I, can, I, I am stretching across all of creation. You're not going to put me in a temple. But that temple's... By the way, that's why I don't think they were that big of a deal to God, and you can study it out for yourself, but it was a big deal to idol worshipers. And sometimes it was a big deal to the Jewish people because oftentimes when you read the Old Testament, you'll find out they're wanting to be like the other people. You know, well, this God has a temple, and that God has a temple, and this God has a temple, and they have places to worship, and they have places to worship. Why can't we have a place to worship? But you can't contain God. Now, you can contain an idol if you want to. It's made by human hands. You can put it up and set it up. I think it's foolish and silly. I can't even get my mind around it. You know, you would take something. Even the Bible says it. Man, think about this, people. He said, you get this block of wood, and, and you chop it all up, and you build a fire over here and cook your meal on it, and then you take this one over here, and you make a little idol, and you place it up there on the shelf, and then you pray to it and worship it. He said, Are you, does something not seem wrong about that? Part of, part of that wood you cooked your meal on, and the other part you crafted something with your hands, your hands, put it on a shelf, and then he said, I'm going to worship it now. There's my God. Man, I'm glad we got a great big God. I'm glad there's not a, a, a temple that can hold him. So King Solomon did build a glorious temple. And if you know anything about history, God allowed that temple to be utterly destroyed. It got rebuilt many times over the years. And one time when it got rebuilt, God said, yeah, the glory of this temple is nothing like the former glory, is it? Because they were all looking at just the beauty of it. But see, the beauty of, to God, is not a building. It's not, it's not a, a thing. It's not something physical. And physical, the natural world, I, God created it, it within limits and within understanding. It's wonderful. I'm not trying to be negative about the physical world around us. It has its limits, though, because God's always pushing towards the spiritual world and gets to understand spiritual things. So I want us to keep growing in the things of the Spirit. The Christian scriptures reveal something spiritual that's about to take place, and we see it in the Christian scriptures, the New Testament. So let's examine this as we look at this concept of a temple in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. This is the New King James. Or do you not know that your body is the what? Temple. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God. And you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. In 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5. As you come to him, Jesus, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Or another translation says this, being built 
into a temple of the Spirit to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 18 through 22. For through him, Jesus, we both, meaning the Jews and the Gentiles, if you're not a Jew, which maybe most likely probably no one in here has a Jewish origin, you're a Gentile, and God opened up salvation for the Gentiles. It says, For through him, Jesus, we both, Jew and Gentile, have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. A cornerstone is literally a part of a building process, you know, to have a cornerstone. So using a a building analogy here. In him, the whole building is joined together. In Jesus, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy what? A holy temple to the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. God was never interested, uh, at least to the degree that human beings were, with a physical building. Now, I'm thankful for our physical building here. We have a wonderful facility on this property. In fact, the very first time I ever drove here, I expected I was driving up to a little country church like I was raised in, maximum seating capacity 80, and I came around the curve there and went, whoa, they built something out here. And since then, there's been more stuff built on. So we have a wonderful, a wonderful facility. But, and I know we wouldn't want this to happen, but can we all agree that if for some crazy reason we woke up tomorrow and this thing had all blown over, would we still be the church? Yeah, we would. Absolutely. Well, well, if the building blew over, Crossroads wouldn't exist anymore. Yes, it would. We're the church. Now, I wouldn't like that idea, but we're getting the idea. It's not a building. It's not something physical. We are the church. We are the temple. And there's two things that are going on here. One, individually, you're the temple, and collectively, we're the temple. Now, collectively, we work best when all of us individually have been growing in our walk with God. Now, we come together today to become a holy temple unto the Lord. Jesus was a living stone, and we too, like living stones, are being built together to become a habitation, a dwelling place for God to live in by his spirit, and God has made us priests. Now, don't let that make you nervous, because those, don't those churchy terms kind of make you nervous? I'm not a priest. Well, you could look up a synonym for it, and it might say a, a preacher. Oh, I'm not that either. Uh, okay, how about just a representative? You are a representative for Jesus, and you really are. If people at work or school know that you're a Christian, you represent Jesus. So how are you doing? I mean, seriously, how are you doing? When people look at you, do they say, if that's what a Christian is, then I don't want to have anything to do with it. Or do they look at you and say, if that's what a Christian is, I'm going to check this out more thoroughly. See the difference there? Now, can I tell you this? We're among friends. You can be a Christian and not act very good. But that's a horrible witness for the Lord. Now, I know this is going to shock you, but there was a time where one of my children did something wrong. I know, I know. Actually, let me be clear. There were many times that all of our children did things wrong. (laughs) But this one particular time, I remember sitting down with one of my children who will remain nameless to protect the guilty. Um, 
And I said, here's what breaks my heart. The Bible says that a good name is better than gold. A good name is better than gold. You tarnished your name. You tarnished our name. But I said, you know what breaks my heart more than that? You tarnished the name of the Lord. Nathan the prophet told David when he sinned with Bathsheba, you have given the pagans a reason to blaspheme. You have made God look bad. You have, and that, that was my biggest heartbreak. Sure, we all want to have a good name. But when you look at the word of God, it says, let's make the name of the Lord famous. Let's make the name of the Lord beautiful. Let's make his name beautiful. And so we, we're individually temples of the Lord, and we're collectively a temple of the Lord. Now, I will promise you, if throughout this next week, I know we're not going to do it all perfect, but if out throughout this next, next week, we would all say, you know what? I'm going to really be genuine in my walk with Jesus. I'm going to be a house of prayer. I'm going to be sensitive to his leading. I, I, I want to make sure that I don't tarnish my name, my family's name, and most importantly, the, God, the name of the Lord. I will promise you this. If we did that 100% across the board, and the same group of people came back next week, I will promise you the presence of God here will go up to a whole new level. Because we're the church individually, but we're the church collectively as well. Now, let's say you have an awful week. Should you say, well, I'm not coming because I don't want to bring the place down. No, you come anyway, okay? You come anyway. But we, wanna, we want to be a holy temple unto the Lord. And this is, this is where I think we fail in the Western world and I admit I'm wired up towards this, so I have to be careful, is we just want to make our Christianity cerebral. We just want to package it all up nicely and answer all the questions correctly and pass the test and, and then go on. But God's looking for so much more. He's looking for so much more. Yeah, should we have the right answer? Sure. Should we know the word of God? Sure. But we should be believers. We should be believers. We should we should be growing in this thing with God. And you may be two weeks old in the Lord. I get that. Uh, you may be 20 years old in the Lord, two decades old in the Lord. So we're all growing and moving forward. But let's do it with a, a conscious focus that we represent Jesus individually and collectively and come back together and see what all God would do. See, Jesus was saying to us Christians that we followers of him, we are the temple of the Lord. And together we're the temple of the Lord. So we should behave uprightly. We should not be behaving in such a way that Jesus has to make a whip and come in and say, come on, Tracy, you know, quit that, stop this, you know, this, it's improper behavior. And so I, I know we make mistakes, I get it, but we should have a goal that wants to go after God. And then you and I should become a house of prayer. Unless we individually become a house of prayer, a congregation will never become a house of prayer because we are the church. I want, I want to make that clear again. I know I beat this drum on occasion. We are the church. This building's not the church. 
There's, there's no, you, I, I can't say, oh my goodness, I know we're going to have a good service this week, darling, because man, our building has been out there sharing the gospel. Our building has been out there taking care of the needy. Our building has been out there, you know, letting the light of Jesus shine. Our building has been sitting here all week long just getting dirty. That's what it does. It's not out there doing anything. We are the church. And so that's why God wasn't near as concerned about the building as he was about the people, because we are the church. So we need to become people of prayer. I want, you, I want you to focus on that. I want myself to focus on it, to become a person of prayer. Now, how do we do that? Well, first of all, we're going to prioritize prayer. We're going to pray our way through our day and through life. Now, by the way, it doesn't require an extra three hours of your life. It's just part of your life. It's just as you're doing life. I was driving in today. An ambulance came by with lights. Guess what I did? Prayed. I didn't have to go, oh, boy, it's going to take forever to pray. I'm just driving down the road anyway. Pray. I, I did three funerals this week, um, and uh, all of them, all of them believers, and, and uh, Debbie's husband, Rob, went on to be with the Lord and gave his heart to the Lord just a few weeks ago. Oh, my goodness. My heart swelled with joy when I found that out, and I know the family has joy, too, because it's not that we don't grieve, but we don't grieve like those who have no hope. And you know, when I went to speak on every one of those, I, I prayed my way through it. I said, Lord, I, I know I can give a little speech. The little speech doesn't change people, but the gospel does. But I know this, the gospel is the power of God. So we have to trust you, God. Nobody's life's going to be affected. Nobody's life's going to be changed unless you show up and do something. He's the catalyst that makes things happen. It's not just, well, that was a nice speech today, Pastor. You can get speeches. You can get TED Talks and all kinds of speeches anywhere you want to. But the gospel, the word, it's living, it's alive, it's powerful, it's transformative. It divides even soul and spirit and joint and marrow. And there's nothing hidden in his sight. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. That's the word of God. The word of God. It transforms. It changes. And so we're going to pray our way through our days. Well, what's that look like? Wake up in the morning. Good morning, Lord. Hey, I'm on a journey today with you. Lead me and guide me. Get ready. Now, I'm serious about this. I mean, it sounds like I'm joking, but I don't think we have to get up and say, what should I make for breakfast today, Lord? I think he would say, just make whatever you want to make. You know, what are you hungry for? You know, do it. Because I don't think he wants to micromanage, but he wants us to be available to him. You know, you go to work or school. Hey, if there's anybody today I can share the light of Christ with, and you'll orchestrate it, I'll be happy to participate. You pray your way through the day. You meet somebody who's going through a hard time. You just talk to them. And, and it'll vary. You know, I like when I can pray with people right then, but you can tell if they wouldn't be receptive to that, that you can say, hey, I will pray for you, and then you go do it. I mean, some of you are super bold, and other people are more shy. So in the checkout line at the big box store, when you say, let me pray for you tonight. Father God, in the name of Jesus, they're like, uh, okay. Uh. And so if you send somebody's like that, then you can just say, hey, I'll pray for you. I actually am somewhat timid about things. And, um, I, you know, I have to always work on being courageous, as, as they did in the New Testament. One of my favorite stories about that was I was in a big box store and about half the distance from here. And I'd spoken at a church, and I talked about how in the community, people would say, Christ is risen, and somebody would yell back, Christ is risen indeed. Well, I'm about, seriously, probably from that wall to here, 
And I'm walking along, and I hear somebody yell pretty loud, Pastor Tracy. And I stop, I look, and go. I tell somebody at the church I'd spoken at, and they said, Christ is risen. Okay, well, <laughs> it's not the time to be a coward now. Christ is risen indeed. Uh, I was sitting in, in a literature class at Franklin College, and we were reading Ordinary People, and there's a little line in there where they, the kid who's distressed says, I, I didn't even have a bumper sticker. And, of course, in these classes, you go, oh, what's that mean? How can we unpack that? And so they said, anybody in here have a bumper sticker? And, you know, a few of us raised our hands. And um, so one guy was a pastor's son, and they asked him, they said, do you have a bumper sticker, so what would yours say? And he said, my bumper sticker said, I'm the only hell my mom ever raised. And uh, I thought, okay. And so, you know, some people talk, and they said, um, oh, hey, Tracy, didn't you have a bumper sticker? And I thought, oh, yeah. Uh, and I remember thinking to myself, you know, how am I going to top that? But I remember I didn't go, yes. I said, yes, I do. What's yours say? Mine says, I, I'm serious, I remember saying, I'm going to say this boldly because might as well just be bold. Mine says, if your God's dead, try mine. Jesus lives. And uh, it didn't get the applause in the classroom. <laughs> Trust me, I'm the only hell my mom ever raised. It was more, they, they liked that better. You know, you guys, try mine, Jesus lives. And everybody looks at their feet and their papers. And Okay, anyway, just go ahead, be bold. Pray your way through the day. Start with the Lord. End with the Lord. Have the Lord all in between. Just begin to pray, be, become, you and I, we saw clearly, we're temples. And my house, my temple, Jesus said, shall be a house of prayer. Are you his temple? If you're a believer, you are. You're his temple. The scripture says, for I speak unto you a mystery that is hidden throughout the ages. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So this is our week's mission. Stay mindful of praying your way through the day. Now, I'm very serious about this because if, if I don't keep this in front of me, I won't do it either. So I'm, I'm challenged to try to keep this in front of you. Uh, or we'll get back next week and you go, I know he kind of gave us an assignment last week. What was it? Uh, so stay mindful of praying your way through your day and listen to what you think the Lord might be saying to you. Listen to what you think the Lord might be saying to you. He might tell you to go to prayer or might tell you to share with someone, might tell you to, to give somebody something. He, there's just all kinds of things he might do. And just be sensitive to that. And let's say you felt like the Lord said, pray for that person. Can we just be, what if he didn't say that? Would that be something awful? What if you felt like God said, just buy that person's lunch today? What if he didn't say that? Would that be that awful to be generous to somebody? You'd be surprised at what little acts of kindness can bless people. Little acts of kindness can bless people. So I want us to pray, and I want us to begin practicing hearing the voice of the Lord. Now, maybe all of you say that I live this way, and if that's so, I hope it was a wonderful reminder for you. If you thought, well, I never even thought about that before, just practice it. Some people get scared of what God might say to them. You don't have to. I mean, God has spoken things to me that I chickened out on. I'm serious. I didn't feel like he said, I hate you. I don't want to have anything to do with you. You disgust me. You don't, I think you might have said, better luck next time. <laughs> you know, let's work on a little obedience, a little courage. 
And sometimes you need to pray for courage. Don't be ashamed of that. Paul said, pray for me that I might have courage. Why did he pray that? Because he didn't have courage. You don't ask for something you have. He said, pray for me that I might have courage that I may proclaim the gospel fearlessly as I should. And so sometimes we have, that's our prayer, to pray for courage. But just pray your way through the day. And you'll, you'll get better and better at, at hearing the voice of the Lord. And, you'll, and God may speak to you in different ways, too, than, than how he does to me. But there'll be some, some point you'll come to a place where you say, I, I think I can tell the difference between when it's just one of my thoughts and when it's the thought of the Lord. I'm going to share two other things on that topic just to let you know this. Um, many, many years ago, actually over in the Founders Chapel, the, at that time it was, this was not a sanctuary at all, and um, uh, Edith Acton, you've got to be an old-timer here, no Edith Acton. Edith Acton had been, was going to go on a trip, and um, the doctor told him, don't go on a trip. She had leukemia, and he said, leukemia is worse than, and don't go on the trip. And so she came forward for prayer, and the Lord just spoke to Darling's heart and said, uh, let's pray for her, and God's going to heal her. And, uh, of course, we believe God's a healer, but... She received prayer that day, went to the doctor, and the doctor said, I don't know what happened. Either we misdiagnosed you, or you just got better. Well, I, I mean, he didn't say, praise the Lord, Jesus has touched you. But generally, when somebody's been treated for leukemia for a long time, they, it wasn't a misdiagnosis, you know, so, so the Lord healed, healed uh, Edith. One other time... Um, we got a call from somebody who was connected to the church and this person had been in a car wreck and, and one person died in the car and the other was messed up and in a, in a bed. I don't know if you've ever seen those rotating beds. Uh, and if you haven't, thank God, you, uh, they put you in like this thing, they rotate you for keep pressure off of you and do all kinds of stuff. And I'm not medical at all. And so I said, I'll go pray with them. I said, darling, you want to go pray uh, with me for this person? She said, no. I said, why don't you take somebody else from church kind of mentor them, you know, train them in prayer. And I said, that's fine. And so... I mean, I didn't get two steps out of the room. She said, hold it. She said, Lord just spoke to me in my heart and said, if you'll go with him, I'll heal that guy. Now, now, please understand what we're saying. She wasn't saying, I'm God's gift to the world. She was saying, God spoke something, and she's going to obey it. Does that make sense? I mean, I don't want you to think, oh, you know, wow, if we can just get Darlene there. No, it's, it's what God's doing. And so we went and prayed for the guy. It's total serious, and this is not uncommon either. We're praying for the person. He's, he's comatose. He's non-responsive. We're praying for the person. He's rotating around. As soon as we get done praying for him, every beeping thing in that room went off. Nurses charged the room. We leave. It's like, I'm sure the family wants to say, thanks a lot for coming and praying for him. You know, every, everything went awful after you guys were here. And uh, it was just like a week or two later. He came. He only came for one service, but he felt like he needed to be respectful and say thank you. He came and said one of these front rows here, and thanked us. He said, I'm the guy that you prayed for in that hospital just a, like two weeks. They took him off the rotating bed that night, and he had that rapid healing. And, um, and, and this is a God thing. I, I, I don't want to belabor it too much, but this isn't a Tracy and Darlene thing. This is a God thing. And, and, and we're just people. You're just people. And guess what? God uses just people. That's awesome. Because you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Since you've been bought with a price, therefore glorify God with your body and your spirit, which are his.